We want to continue looking and talking about resolves for this year as we began last month. Uh, reminds you there are four themes that I began and will continue to emphasize over the next several weeks. One was revival. Uh, that would uh, We would see the Lord stir a flame of spiritual revival in our church. Uh, the second was renewal, a uh, passion for holiness and sanctification. And then today we want to look at reaching, reaching of the unsaved by sharing the gospel, uh, showing them the love and compassion of Christ. And of course, in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 37, uh, a familiar verse many times uh, when talking about reaching the lost uh, says uh, the Lord said he said unto his disciples the harvest truly is plenteous but the laborers are few and so uh, today we want to talk about uh, reaching others now we're going to be looking at restoration uh, in the future here but uh, today uh, we want to talk about reaching others in our uh, community uh, for the Lord Jesus Christ. God entrusts the ministry of evangelism to every believer. Every believer. Uh, it's the way that he has chosen to spread the message of life and redemption to the lost and dying world. Now, it's not necessarily, and I've told you this before, maybe you agree with me or don't agree with me, but the primary focus of the church Local church is not evangelism, but it's edification and building up an education of believers to go out the doors and to evangelize and to be, bring people to Christ and then bring them to the church so they can be discipled and uh, growing in Christ. Now, does that mean we might not, uh, we might uh, have some unsaved people here from time to time? Yes, we might. We might even have some here today. But that means that, uh, 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 doesn't mean we are not interested in seeing people saved in our church services. But that's not the primary purpose. My primary purpose here is to give you the tools to go out and reach our community. It's a way that he has chosen, God has chosen, uh, to spread the message. Uh, and yet how many believers faithfully endeavor to participate in this crucial behavior? Uh, here in uh, Matthew 9.37, uh, Jesus taught that the great challenge of evangelism is recruiting people to do the work. He said the laborers are few. Nevertheless, God commands us to proclaim the good news of salvation. And uh, we often uh, will give the gospel message even here in our church uh, as uh, because we always know we we don't know what the hearts of people are like as they come to church, but uh, we need to be committed to a compassionate evangelism without discrimination uh, through your life to your community and to the world. Uh, we should be committed to compassionate evangelism without discrimination. So to encourage this. Participation. I want to offer some a simple definition, first of all, of evangelism. And then I hope to maybe uh, correct some wrong perspectives that believers may uh, embrace, maybe subtly embrace, followed by some ex excuses we often make for why we don't get involved. And then I would offer some good reasons for getting involved and some basic strategy to do that. First of all, let's look at a definition of evangelism. Definition. 
though the word uh, evangelism is a specialized word that Christians use, it means something very simple, very exciting. It means to bring or to spread the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ, which is the best news anyone could ever receive. Uh, As such, it's not the following things. Let me say it this. It is not the following things. It is not sharing your testimony. It is not social action or good deeds. It is not using apologetics to defend the truth. Uh, It is not getting decisions and leading people in a prayer. Now, I'm not saying those things won't occur. As you do your evangelism, and as evangelism efforts are made, these things may happen. You may end up sharing your testimony. Uh, You may be doing some good works in your community and and helping people in a physical way. Uh, You may uh, have an opportunity to defend what you believe. Uh, You may even see someone make a decision. But these things are not evangelism in in themselves. Uh, They are not uh, what the focus of evangelism is. The focus of evangelism is something about spreading the good news of Jesus Christ to people who need to hear it. It's not necessarily spreading the good news of Spooner Baptist Church. We encourage you to invite people, but that's not evangelism. That's inviting people to church. Okay? Um, So that's a definition that I I give to you. The bring or spreading the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ. That's what evangelism is. Now, there are some wrong perspectives, I believe. Perhaps we fail to spread the good news uh, about Jesus because we've accepted some wrong perspectives about evangelism. So here are some examples. First of all, the and again, I've I've given to you quite a bit of these notes already in your in your outline there, so you didn't have to write them all down. But uh, the gospel is a spiel. That's a good word for you, a spiel. I'll say it the German way, spiel, uh, and a pres- or presentation. Uh, that I must give at once or not at all. That's a wrong perspective. Uh, the gospel is a negative message. Is, that a, is gospel a negative message? No, it's the most positive thing you could ever share with someone. But we're not to do it necessarily in a negative way. People do not want to hear about the gospel. Some people think, well, nobody wants to hear about it. That's not true. When a person asks questions, it shows that he or she is closed to the gospel. That's a wrong perspective. To share the gospel, um, I need to answer any questions a person may ask. No, you don't have to answer all their questions. You may not know the answer to all their questions. What do you do if you don't know the answer to a question? You say, well, I'm going to have to look that one up. I'm going to have to find the answer. I, I'm glad you asked that question because I want, I want you to know the answer. And so, you know, let's make, it a, let's make a, a time where we can get together and talk about that. And I'll find the answer. 
Uh, if a person doesn't immediately believe, then they're closed. They're never going to be saved. That's not true. Sometimes you have to talk to people time and time again. And the Holy Spirit's going to work on them. Again, not you're not saving them. It's going to be the work of the Holy Spirit. Evangelism is a church activity, program, or event. No. Now, church activities, programs, and events can happen, and uh, people can uh, be invited to church, people can be presented with the gospel, the good news of the Jesus Christ, but that's not what evangelism is. Evangelism is something that happens on special occasions. It only happens during evangelism meetings, right? <laughs> no. It better not happen only. It can, we pray that it will happen. But it doesn't necessarily have to happen just at a special meeting. So those are some wrong perspectives. If you believe these or other wrong perspectives about evangelism, then you're going to fail in spreading the good news of Jesus Christ in a faithful way. So let's talk about some right perspectives. See, in contrast to these wrong perspectives, consider some right perspectives. First of all, the gospel is... A set of essential truths that I may give in conversations over time. Here a little, there a little. You may not be able to give the whole presentation. You may not be able to give them the whole gospel. You, uh, maybe that, that's not uh, something that you are able to do. You may have to have several conversations with a person. I do not have to present the entire gospel message the first time I attempt to witness to somebody. Secondly, the gospel is a positive message. We already said it's not a ne- it's it's a it's a, a wrong perspective would be that it's a negative message, but it is a positive. It is good news. It's not bad news. It's good news. Now, it may aw- uh, raise the awareness of our sinful condition, uh, but it provides a complete solution that everyone needs. And then God is preparing the hearts of people to hear the gospel. Uh, We must realize that God is working in the hearts of people, and uh, they're going to need to hear the good news. Many say no, maybe at the first time, or the second time, or the third. But the more you share the good news, the more people you discover who are genuinely interested. God is preparing their hearts to hear what you have to say. Uh, questions can show that a person is open to the gospel. Sometimes people ask questions for the wrong reasons. But often people ask questions because they want real answers. They want true answers. And when a person asks you sincere questions, then praise God for someone who's interested enough to have a conversation about it. You know, that's the, uh, the hard thing to do is to find some that's willing to talk about it. To share the gospel, I need to answer questions about the gospel. The more questions you're prepared to answer, the better. But we shouldn't let the lack of knowledge about difficult or obscure theological details prevent us from sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. You say, well, I haven't been to Bible college. I, haven't, I don't have a seminary degree, so I can't, I can't do this. No, you don't have to have all the deep theological answers to share God's good news. If you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, then you have the essential elements 
of the gospel message. And that's all you need to really know uh, in order to evangelize. If you don't know the answer to another kind of question, again, admit it and find someone who does know the answer. Focus, though, on the gospel. Now, the next one is, if a person does not immediately believe, then he or she may be open later. That's the right perspective to have. Don't allow one conversation to discourage you from a future conversation. Uh, Just like a farmer raising crops in a field, evangelism requires that you plant a lot of seeds and water the seeds over time, and eventually you'll see the harvest. By the way, you may be a planter of the seed, but you may not be the waterer of the seed. Someone else might be. You may be not the planter of the seed, but you may be a waterer of the seed. And so that's the way it works. Eventually, you'll see a harvest. Be faithful to talk about the gospel whenever you can, a little bit here and a little bit there. Doing that on a regular basis can lead to even more true conversions over time. And then evangelism is an individual activity with many participants. God often uses multiple conversations with a variety of Christians to guide a lost person down the road to salvation. Who knows? When you share some of that good news about Jesus with a person in your life, you might be the first person to do so. Or you might be the second or the third. Sometimes you will be the one who leads them to that conversion. But not always, and probably not. But be be glad to be a part of the process. Evangelism is something that may happen on any occasion. It's not limited to special church events. It's not limited to a weekly door-to-door routine. It's something that can happen any time throughout the week. And we need to be sensitive to what God is doing and be prepared to say something, though it may not be everything. We need to say something about the gospel at home, at school, at work, at play. We need to be on call 24-7 and discover an amazing opportunity on a regular basis. Now, I hope these perspectives would encourage you to be more active in spreading the good news of Jesus. I hope they do. I hope that they help you to overcome some of the common excuses that we uh, have in staying quiet. Let's talk about some of those common excuses. You know, we offer many reasons for not evangelizing. And here are some common examples. First of all, evangelism is illegal. <laughs> I can't do it because it's illegal. I know they said I can't say anything about Jesus Christ. That's not the case, really, in the United States, although it is... Uh, becoming that way in some places. And it is certainly the case elsewhere in the world. In the case of the apostles in Jerusalem, it was. But they still evangelized, and they responded in faith. Or how about my school or my employer forbids it? Now, that may be true. There is nothing preventing you, though, from sharing the news about Jesus with your classmates and your colleagues during a lunch break or spending some time with them after hours in a personal time. 
It would be wrong for you to take company time and say, all right, we're going to talk about this now, but we're going to neglect our work. No, that's not a good testimony. But certainly there are times, if you look for them, when you can spend some personal time and ask God for wisdom to overcome this challenge, and God will provide it. How about, I don't want to impose my beliefs on someone else. That's an excuse that some people use. You know what? It's not rude to evangelize. You're sharing good news. And furthermore, you're not forcing anyone to change his or her mind. You're spreading the good news. You're not coercing and you're not taking them and twisting their arm and saying, you've got to believe. No. You just present it and they're either going to accept it or not. Another excuse is, uh, I will lose friends if I do that. If you lose a friend because you've introduced him or her to the best news ever, you should be okay with that. And if you don't share the good news about Jesus with your friend, then you're a bad friend. The friendliest thing you can do is to share good news about Jesus to your friends. Just be sure you do it in love and not in an unfriendly way. Some would say, I don't have time. Perhaps you don't have time to spend two or three hours passing out gospel tracts on a weekly basis. That's okay, because that's not the primary means of evangelism anyway. Evangelism occurs here a little and there a little through the course of life. As you interact with people and you rub shoulders with them in the flow of your busy schedule. In all that you're doing, stay alert. Perhaps God has given you a busy schedule to place you in contact with a variety of people throughout the week who need to hear the good news about Jesus. Another excuse is, I don't know what to say. Well, you only need to know the gospel. What is the gospel? And chances are, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your Savior, you know what the gospel is. You may need to brush up maybe on some details or some memorize some Bible verses, but that's really not that hard to do. The more you talk about Jesus, the more you'll discover that God is faithful to give you the wisdom that you need. So review the gospel. Start talking about it whenever you can, and you'll probably do just fine. Well, one other excuse is I am shy will join the club. Most people are shy. But this is usually a polite way of saying, I'm also selfish. Don't be the kind of Christian who has the good news about Jesus, but they don't want to share it with anybody else. Don't be selfish with the good news of the gospel. Now, I don't know if you can identify with any of these excuses, Maybe you even have another excuse that I haven't listed. Whatever the case, there are some good reasons to spread the news about Jesus Christ. Let me give you some good motivations. Five motivations for reaching others for Christ. Uh, Any of these five motivations are reason enough to spread the good news about Jesus to those who need to hear it. And we need to pause and consider each one and ask whether they motivate us to tell about Christ. Our memory verse for this week, for the love of Christ 
constraineth me. Right? It constraineth us. That word constraineth means motivate. And so the first one is love for God. Love for God. Do you love God enough to share the message of his love with others? That's the greatest reason of all to spread the news about Jesus to the world. Secondly is love for people. Do you love people the way God loves them? Do you have a compassion for their, uh, for them? Do you see them as sheep without a shepherd, enslaved to sin, harassed by Satan, dying every day? Thirdly, awareness of the message. When you think about the message of the gospel, you find that the message itself leads you to spread the news to others. It is a message filled with giving and going and expressing the goodness of God to people who need it. Fourthly, gratitude to God. When you consider the undeserved and eternal salvation that God has provided for you through Christ, then thankfulness alone should motivate us to share this message. And fifthly, obedience to God. If nothing else, then you should evangelize because Jesus himself told us to do that. He said, go and make disciples and be my witnesses. He is the Lord and God, and so you should do what he says. Now, I wonder, do these reasons motivate you to be more diligent and spread the good news about Jesus? If so, then let me give you 10 simple thoughts about embracing a basic strategy for being a faithful witness. A basic strategy to be a faithful witness, and I would encourage you to do these things. First of all, think about the gospel regularly. Think about it. Make it a part of your your morning devotions. If you have a a Bible reading time, just go over uh, a a simple uh, uh, outline about the gospel. Think about it on a daily basis. And then when that opportunity comes, you'll be ready. Live a life that reflects the truth of the gospel. Uh, Consider your spheres of life. Who do you have contact with? Maybe you have contact with family, immediate family, uh, extended family. Maybe you have friends or neighbors. Maybe you have co-workers or colleagues uh, or fellow students, acquaintances. Then very important, pray for the people by name. Pray for them by name. especially those in the spheres of your life. Pray for each family member. If, they, if you don't know if they're saved, pray for their salvation. Uh, we pray for the salvation of our grandchildren on a daily basis. And I know many of you do as well. Uh, pray for your coworkers. Maybe someone has shown some interest. Maybe they've asked a question. Begin to pray for them on a regular basis every day. And then show a genuine interest in the questions and the needs and the situations and the interests of the people around you. And plan times to to gather with the people in your life apart from your normal activities. And then bring your Christian and non-Christian relationships together. You know, Matthew invited his unsaved friends and Jesus uh, to a get-together that he hosted in his house. 
There were saved and unsaved there. And then engage in meaningful conversations at any time, always looking for an opportunity to say something related to the gospel, even though you'll usually not be able to say everything all at once. And then begin to answer questions thoughtfully. And again, if you don't know the answers to the questions, say, you know, I really can't tell you exactly what, I, what the answer that, but I'll find out what the answer to that question is. You need to show that you are genuinely listening to them, not just looking for an, an, an opportunity to say something yourself, but listen to them. And then respond to the promptings of God and be, be prepared to step out of your comfort zone. Now, those are some basic uh, strategies to, uh, to, to work towards sharing the gospel. Now, let me just share with you as we... Uh, finish up this afternoon with some practical approaches. And um, I have I have a box that's been sitting in here for quite a while. I want to share with you some of the contents of this box. Also, I had a drawer about down here that has some contents. And I don't, I don't resupply these often enough. I'll say that, okay? But they're there. I have a whole box. I have actually two boxes of these. They're called John and Romans. They have the church name and the times of our services on the back. This, and this is a smaller version of John and Romans. And... Uh, Maybe kind of hard to read for older folks, small, small print, but it's handy, and then you can have it in a pocket or a purse. Now you put these together, and you have a packet, okay? That's called a packet, and I'm going to refer to that here in a little bit. I'm going to give you six situations where you can have a packet available, a John and Romans, a track or two. First of all, a co-worker. Now, you'd better be a good employee or you won't get an opportunity to witness to a co-worker. If you slough off at your job and you don't do a good job, then you won't be, uh, have a good opportunity. So you need to be careful. Uh, we realize that we live in a politically correct world. Everything has to be politically correct. Now, so you have to be careful about some of these things. But again, pray. Pray and pray. And pray for those co-workers by name. Develop some friendships and look for a way to connect outside of the work with the co-worker as a friend. Maybe if you have an opportunity to have a Bible on uh, your workstation, if it's uh, our desk or wherever, along with some other books of your trade or whatever it is, but have the Bible there because that's an important tool for you as a Christian. Then there's the neighbor. Again, you'd better be a good neighbor or there won't be an opportunity. You know, uh, neighborhoods can be sometimes safe free speech zones. 
work time, uh, workplaces sometimes are not so, so good about being free speech zones. But you know, over the back fence or over talking to someone, inviting someone over for a coffee, a neighbor or something, that's a safe uh, free speech zone. Again, I say pray, 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 uh, privately by name. And then serve your neighbors. Maybe help them with their mowing, their shoveling, their babysitting. Uh, take them a gift. Uh, sometimes uh, my wife takes uh, homemade cookies or bread. You know, she's kind of known for making bread, but she'll share that with our neighbors when she goes to meet uh, some of the neighbors. And then inviting them to church is a good opening. What about the relative? Well, the relative knows you, don't they? Uh, They know you best. They know all your flaws and your foibles. So don't pretend to be perfect, because that's easy, because you're not. Again, pray, pray, pray for them by name. And then begin to selectively tell uh, and talk about the family and other things too, Maybe you talk about a trial or a sickness or a disease that's, that's come upon the family. Those are good opportunities to, to share the good news of the gospel. And then there's the friend. If you don't have unsaved friends, maybe you're overchurched, someone said. We need to even have, and I use the word friend cautiously, unsaved friends or acquaintances. Now, that may be your neighbor, that may be some you work with, but we need to sometimes get out of the box and know, uh, again, that uh, they need to hear the good news. And they know you as well, usually. Uh, Again, don't pretend to be perfect, and that's easy because you're not. But pray, pray, pray. Pray for them by name. And then You can talk about other things as well, the trials, the sicknesses, the disease, and look for an opportunity to give them one of those John and Romans or a Bible. Because they have trials. Uh, Maybe uh, you can be there for them during their trial and you can be the one that points them to Christ. Uh, I have down there the pizza delivery guy. I don't know how many of you have pizza delivered to your house. Probably not very many of us, okay? But if you live in Spooner, you can have pizza delivered to your house, and probably in Hayward too. Uh, but uh, you have other people that deliver things to your house, don't you? From time to time. Again, have a packet prepared. Maybe a nice tip. You know, don't be uh, uh, too uh, chintzy with the tip. Have some packets by the front door. Ask them, have you ever read the Gospel of John? And may I give you a copy of the Gospel of John? And look for key, the key words, believe and eternal life as you read it. And uh, you could also say, look for the eight miracles that are, are there, or the I am sayings. And these things are kind of ways to open up a conversation about that. Now, they don't, you don't have much time with a, a delivery person. Especially if it's a UPS delivery guy, he's, he's got to sign this and he's out of there, you know. But maybe you just give him a moment to take a track or a packet. And that kind of leads us to the last one. That's the one-off. That means you've got probably 20 seconds. 20 seconds. 
Maybe you have to, you may have a verse of scripture that you want to share, but accompany that with a packet. Maybe have it in your car, your purse, your, by the way, anybody use the glove box for gloves anymore? (laughs) Well, we certainly, if we don't use it for gloves, we can use it for packets and tracks and have them ready, maybe to give to someone. So one of our statements on our goals and objectives that you uh, received earlier in the year, at the end Oh, at the end of last year, one of our goals and objectives, of course, um, is that Spooner Baptist Church is a place where the Great Commission is carried out. Well, I trust that that's really your goal, to carry out the Great Commission. Conversion, seeing people saved, seeing baptized and discipled. Now, someone pointed out to me that the Great Commission begins with the word go. And so that's certainly true. If we're going to reach people for Christ, see them saved, see them baptized, be discipled, we must go. Don't wait for someone else to go. You go. Let us go. And I hope these thoughts and these things will help encourage us along in a practical way to take some personal steps toward fulfilling this mission. Let's pray.